Welcome to Keeg's Cast, a podcast with discussions of practical theology that seek to offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I'm your host, Keegan Richardson, and we are continuing our theme of holiness uh, for our daily readings on the podcast. Today's reading comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 3. However, I am going to read verses 1 through 6, so let's go ahead and do that. The title is Isaiah's Vision of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So I think it's important to realize also what our daily reading was yesterday. We are in Isaiah chapter 5, and the Lord was also communicating his holiness to the people of Israel and to the surrounding nations using a metaphor of a planter planting a vineyard. This planter had expected good fruit, good wine, good produce, and instead he got none of that. Um, In a metaphorical way, God was expecting Israel to be a righteous people, to uphold justice, um, to produce good fruit in a spiritual sense, and he got none of that. He only got injustice and um, evil. So now we're continuing through the book of Isaiah, and now Isaiah himself is having a very intense vision of the Lord. And our passage today begins with a historical marker of in the year that King Uzziah died, reminding us that this really happened. That's there for a reason. But Isaiah sees the Lord sitting upon his throne. Um, So as we begin, I want us to kind of organize this better now from some listeners who pointed out we could use some more organization um, and just observing. Observing is going to be our first point uh, that we'll look through. So let's observe a few things that are important to see in our text today. The first one um, is just the intensity of what's happening here. I think oftentimes for me personally, growing up reading this text, and even recently reading this text, I forget the intensity of what's happening here. Um, High and lifted up is is a marker of 
this is something different from all other visions. And the train of the Lord uh, filled the temple. This is an immaculate sight. And Isaiah is trying to get that across to us. Then the seraphim. The seraphim are pointing to the fact that God is holy even in how they look. They don't look. um, You can't see anything about them. They only fly and declare who the Lord is and what his nature is like. And then in verse 3, holy, holy, holy is repeated three times. And that is important. Never in the English language do we repeat things three times in the beginning of our sentences when we speak. In verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And then just from Isaiah's response, woe is me, for I am lost. Some translations put that I am undone. And then he immediately recognizes his shortcomings before the holiness of God. He immediately recognizes the difference, the tragic difference between him and his creator, him and the king, as he describes him. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And then not only does he reflect on his own status before these before the king, but he also recognizes the status of the people he identifies himself with, the people he surrounds himself with. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then notice how it ends in such an intense passage. A seraphim flies to him, having a burning coal from the altar and touches his mouth and declares, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So even in the immaculateness, if that's even a word, of God's holiness, we see that he is quick to save. He's quick to atone for. He desires that to happen. So those are a few things I wanted to point out as we observe the text this morning. Our second point of discussion this morning is going to be um, some application. So our first one is observe. Our next one will now be apply. And for me personally, when I was growing up, reading scripture, learning about the Christian faith, one, the holiness of God was not discussed as much as it should have been. Now that I'm getting older and beginning to look into it for a more accurate description of the God we serve, oftentimes it's not talked about enough comprehensively. So what I mean when I say that is it's either um, God is holy, and that is a scary thing because you're not holy, or it's talked about in the sense of God is holy, but he saves, and then we don't discuss why it is amazing that a holy God saves his people or saves people who are not holy. So I want to discuss that a little bit. But before we get there, uh, I want to point out a few different things that have helped me with this passage that are just important to understand as you grow in your knowledge of the holiness of God. So in verse 3, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
uh, I think it's Dr. Stephen Lawson. He's a pastor in Dallas um, and has multiple ministries that serve the people of God extremely well. But I heard him heard him say it this way, that that holy, holy, holy is meant to describe holiness to the highest degree. So it's like holy, holier, holiest. The writer is trying to get you to understand this is the peak, the apex of holiness. And then Paul David Tripp, who a lot of that book that I'm referring to, Do You Believe, uh, has shaped the organization of the curriculum and this podcast from here on out, is he says, God is more holy than you ever thought holy could be. So also the 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 repeating of holy, holy, holy is meant to take you to the edges of your imagination. He also discusses this as well. We can't even describe, we can't even imagine. Our minds can't even take us that far for how holy God is. Someone who is morally perfect in their thoughts and their actions and their plans and their intentions and their care for their people. No one is like that except our God. So that's something I want to point out before we get into the application that I talked about. So like I said earlier, growing up, it was either not discussed enough or it was discussed enough, but not accurate enough, I guess I would say. So let's discuss the first one first. So the first one, God is holy and that is scary. Well, they're not wrong in saying that. However, it's not fully accurate. Maybe it's a bit of an oversimplification. So, so when someone says God is holy and that is scary, like I said, it's an oversimplification. However, it's scary because of what we are not, not only because of what God is. It's scary because if God is morally perfect and we are not morally perfect and God cannot uh, let the guilty go unpunished, then yeah, that's a, that's scary. That should be scary because that's just logical reasoning. And then the other side of that, of God is holy, but he saves, doesn't really f- touch on the point I just mentioned. And I think the key is having both. God is holy, which should produce a natural fear in someone who is not holy. However, like we see in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 6, this God is quick to save. He's quick to atone for, and he is abounding in steadfast love. And then somewhere we can see the gospel played out in Old Testament passages like this is that our sin has been atoned for, according to the seraphim telling Isaiah this, because Christ has paid for our sin, which therefore keeps God still holy because he did not let the guilty go unpunished, but rather he let Christ be counted as the guilty and punished Christ on our behalf. So therefore, God remains holy, he remains morally perfect, and now we are forgiven according to the righteousness, the moral perfection, the atoning sacrifice of Christ, his son. Now let's transition into the last part of our reading today, which is prayer. 
Uh, so I think it's helpful to gather some prayer points, some um, applications of prayer to from our text of Isaiah 6. So the interesting thing is, after Isaiah 1 through 6, the Lord begins to speak. In verse number 8, he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then Isaiah raises his hand, and he's like, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. And then all of this that Isaiah will talk about appears to be the rest of the book of declarations of judgment and future exile for Israel. However, something that I think would be a great prayer point is that the holiness of God should move us to action. It should never just let us sit where we are. It is too immense of an idea. It is too a amazing of an idea to leave us where we are. So the holiness of God should cause us to reflect on ourselves like Isaiah did and realize where we have failed, realize where we have fallen short. And then we should not stay there, but rather reflect on the finished work of Christ. We should run to the atoning work of Christ. Then it should cause us to reflect on others that we find ourselves around like Isaiah did. And you have to be careful with this because you can be quick to be like, I'm also in a people of unclean lips and in our sinful state run to a place of judgment and better than. But that's not what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to use that reflection of others to pray for them. If they, maybe if they're not a believer, to pray that God would sovereignly save them and that they would come to repentance like God saved you. And then also pray that the holiness of God would move you to action, to go, to declare to the Lord that you want to go, that you want to be sent, wherever that may be. God calls us to action and his holiness should move us to action. So I think those three things, three or four things that I mentioned would be great prayer points of application. Well, I pray the holiness of God was encouraging to you today. Tomorrow we should be in one of the Psalms. So I look forward to seeing everyone there that's listening. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by going online at bonfire.com slash dash cast dash T uh, and get yourself some merchandise and support of this podcast. Uh, I am your host, Keegan Richardson, and this has been day two of our daily readings, God's Holiness. Later. Later.